Hi, Joshua. Hi, Eddie. Welcome to Selecting the Right Load Movement System, a limited series podcast about choosing the right material handling system for moving heavy loads in industrial settings. This is our third episode out of seven. We're walking through a series of seven questions to figure out which material handling system is right for any given application. Last time, we talked about the weight of the load. And today we're moving to the next question in the series. How much flexibility or maneuverability is required for the situation or application? This question has a lot of dimensions to it, so we're going to be breaking it down into some smaller questions. The first of which is, can the material handling system traverse the path the load needs to travel? Yes. In other words, some material handling systems, like conveyor systems, can only move along a fixed path. Others, like air casters or forklifts, can travel between a wide variety of points or in and out of a manufacturing line. Or imagine you have a warehouse with a lot of narrow aisles with sharp turns and a maze-like layout. Yeah, that's a very different situation from just moving widgets down a linear manufacturing line. If you only need to move things down a single, straight line, you might be able to build a permanent installation that will enhance movement efficiency and work very cost-effectively at least after the initial investment has been recouped. That's where conveyors, rails, and drag chains shine. But a permanent installation is going to strictly limit the flexibility of the system. You're buying efficiency at the expense of maneuverability and adaptability. Yeah, whether this is a good idea strongly depends on the situation. In some cases, the increase in move efficiency will be a no-brainer. In other cases, You'll be tying your own hands as manufacturing requirements change over time. Something else to think about is how the system fits into the workflow. Manufacturing equipment that's part of a permanent installation can't be picked up and moved out of the way when it needs servicing, for example. So you might also be increasing production outages or downtime whenever maintenance or repairs are required. In other words, if multiple workstations are connected by conveyor belts and you need to take one station offline, the conveyors have to go offline too. You can't just reroute them on the fly to move around the out-of-order workstation. On top of that, think about a manufacturing line in which customization options are available. The product may be able to move mostly in a straight line from one station to the next, but if it needs to divert to another station off the main line for a customization, a strictly linear move system won't work. In those cases, the alternative to the load traveling a fixed path is one that follows a variable path. At the risk of losing some efficiencies, you gain the ability to accommodate a wide array of changes on the fly. For example, if you have a problem with a part, you can just move it to the side, while the rest of the line continues. It also enables users to add or remove stations as needed, or to completely rework their production process. As a related aside, it's worth asking if the path is going to be curved, like a manufacturing line that's been bent into a U-shape for increased efficiency. A U-shape reduces the square footage of the manufacturing process, reducing travel time between any two points, while keeping workstations and materials as close together as possible. That limits the time, effort, and manpower required to move or handle loads. That's all great, but the move system has to be able to navigate a curve or bend in that case. Unfortunately, any move system that is permanently installed, like cranes, rails, drag chains, and conveyors, will struggle or fail to meet the needs of a variable path. In this case, you need something like air casters, forklifts, or carts that can be moved in any direction. This is the flip side of the fixed path situation. You lose at least a little efficiency. 
but you gain a ton of flexibility. And that flexibility can sometimes pay off over time, even if it doesn't in the short term. For example, if your facility adjusts its manufacturing process over time, you'll be stuck with any material handling system that's permanently installed. It'll be much harder or more expensive to build different products, change the plant's floor layout, or accommodate any other changes. A more flexible system can grow with you. It can also move with you. Maybe your operations grow over the years, so you move into a new facility. You'll have to leave anything that's permanently installed behind, whereas you'll be able to take other move systems with you. Okay, but let's take a closer look at what it means to be flexible exactly. It's not just being able to move loads anywhere on the floor. There's also the ability to rotate objects. Yes, this alone is actually a surprisingly complicated question. Some move systems cannot rotate at all, while others cannot rotate easily. A linear path system like conveyors and rails can be designed to accommodate limited bends and rotations. But such design considerations will complicate installation and operation. Other move systems may be able to rotate, but will demand a significant amount of space to maneuver. The turning radius of a forklift, for example, is very wide and may require a spotter to ensure the vehicle doesn't hit anything or anyone during the turn. Air casters, cranes, and some wheeled solutions shine when it comes to rotation. They'll offer nine points of movement flexibility. Forward, backward, right side, left side, diagonal in four directions, and 360 degrees in place rotation. Yes, that last point is particularly important. Sometimes you need it to be able to rotate in place with no turning radius at all. With forklifts, you must deal with the cantilever that sticks out because the truck itself doesn't fit within the footprint of the load. Casters go under the load, so they fit within its footprint. Many cranes can also rotate a load in place, as can some omnidirectional industrial trucks. In general, if we're talking about flexibility in terms of degrees of freedom, air casters and cranes are at the top of the list. Forklifts and other wheeled vehicles will be in the middle, and conveyors, rails, and drag chains will be at the bottom. The next dimension is verticality, or elevating the load up and down. Does the load need to be able to move in three dimensions of space, not just two? Exactly. Some systems can accommodate changes in lift height or elevation. Others can't. Cranes are the king of lifting. But forklifts, and to a lesser extent air casters, also have the ability to lift loads at least a little. Conveyors can be built to handle minor changes in elevation over a distance. One thing we haven't mentioned and often gets overlooked is if the load needs to be maneuvered into corners, along edges, around obstacles, or otherwise fit into hard-to-reach spots. If you want to maximize space utilization in this way, some solutions are not going to work or will have limitations. A crane assembly can reach almost anywhere within its envelope, but nothing beyond that. Forklifts can reach some of these places, but only if there's enough space around them to maneuver. And that can defeat the purpose of trying to maximize space utilization in the first place. Oh, that's right. And that reminds me of another element of maneuverability. Clearances. Yes, good point. So, for example, if you need to move a very large load, does it need to fit under a particular height in order to reach its destination? Like through a doorway. Something like an aircaster system can manage low clearances compared to a big-wheeled vehicle solution. In fact, flexibility is an area where aircasters just really stand out. Because they fit within the footprint of the load and only lift it up a few inches, aircasters can reach anywhere the load can fit. 
The same principle applies if you need to move outside the reach of a crane or rail system. Like a cross-bay transfer. Right. Okay, one last question regarding flexibility. What will the path be tomorrow? Yeah, we touched on this, but it's worth talking about a little more. This is something a lot of facilities maybe think about but underestimate because they get focused on the short-term cost of the material handling system rather than its lifetime cost or total cost of ownership. Again, we'll be discussing cost more in Episode 5, a couple of episodes from now. But it's worth mentioning that a fixed system won't permit upgrades, updates, or other changes without a huge expense. So, if you're a manufacturer whose product goes through 10 stations today, but you eventually need to add 5 more, a fixed system will not let you accommodate the new stations, at least not easily. Yes, so if you're listening to this and thinking a fixed path solution like a conveyor or rail sounds ideal, that may be true. But fixed solutions just call for a little more careful analysis. If the station design is wrong, or if you need to adapt to new designs, you must figure out how to redistribute work accordingly. Similarly, like you mentioned a little earlier, Joshua, if you ever change facilities, you either have to leave a permanently installed solution behind or pay for it to be removed. Other move systems, including wheeled vehicles and air casters, can just go with you. So, are we done with the flexibility considerations yet? This is a lot to think about. It definitely is a lot, and no, we're not done. There's another dimension to the flexibility question we need to talk about the facility itself. For example, does the operating area impose any restrictions? Oh yeah, that's a good point. The layout and makeup of the operating area itself could limit options. We touched on this concept earlier when we mentioned clearances. For example, some areas are highly restrictive, like narrow aisles or low doorways, and that will limit maneuverability on the ground and eliminate move systems like forklifts as a practicality. Yeah, almost any move system can work as long as there is sufficient space. As available operating space narrows or becomes otherwise restricted, options dwindle. Forklifts require a huge amount of floor space in which to maneuver and further, because they typically steer from the rear wheels, it will take a certain amount of room to make turns. If space is at a premium, a forklift solution may be impractical. Hey, that reminds me of a joke. Oh, no. To the optimist, the glass is half full. To the pessimist, the glass is half empty. To the engineer, the glass is twice as big as it needs to be. Okay, that one is kind of funny. And to the point, everything we're talking about today is making sure everything fits just right. The facility, the move system, and the workflow. That's the whole question here. Yeah, for example... Conveyors and rails can be highly efficient move systems that can move a large volume of material quickly and continuously, but they also consume a lot of floor space and can further impede traffic and decrease productivity when installed in tight quarters. That's not going to work in some facilities or with some manufacturing processes. The best systems for tight spaces will be those that fit within the footprint of the load itself or come as close as possible, like air or wheel casters on the ground or overhead cranes that require little to no floor space. Overhead cranes are ideal for use in narrow aisles or crowded facilities with little floor space, because they require no floor space at all. So far, air casters and cranes stand out as the most flexible of the move systems, but they can have their own facility-related limitations, too. For example, cranes are impractical or impossible if the facility itself cannot support the installation of the crane assemblies. As for air casters, they rely on the quality of the floor and the availability of compressed air. 
While it's generally not difficult to fix problem flooring, like using an overlay over which air casters can move, it may affect the calculus when comparing different move systems. Speaking of floors, some move systems like forklifts and other wheeled systems can damage some floor surfaces over time. If floors are really damaged or weak, the impact will be worsened. Okay, wow, we've covered a lot of ground in today's episode. Let's try to summarize. Well, when it comes to flexibility, the first consideration is fixed path versus variable path. If the load just needs to follow a linear path, you have a lot of options. Almost anything can handle this, but conveyors, cranes, drag chains, and rails stand out. On the other hand, if the load needs to be able to travel a lot of different or changing paths, the winners are air casters by a mile. Cranes are a pretty close second, and wheels and transfer carts are a more distant third place. Okay, from there, the second issue is about turning radius. If the load needs to be able to rotate or spin around, can the material handling system do that, and how much of a turning radius do they need? This is another one where cranes and air casters lead the pack. Forklifts and other wheeled solutions and transfer carts can also manage it but will require extra space. Conveyors, drag chains, and rails aren't really good solutions to meet this need. The third consideration is about traveling vertical paths and whether the solution can also elevate the load. Cranes are the runaway winner here. Forklifts can lift loads a few feet. Air casters can lift them a few inches. And conveyors or rails can theoretically carry them up a slope but will require a fair distance to keep the incline mild. And finally, the last consideration is whether the material handling solution can fit into hard-to-reach places. Air casters really stand alone in this category. Forklifts can potentially reach spots like tight corners, but will require a lot of surrounding space, which might defeat the purpose of trying to place things in those corners to begin with. Almost all other material handling solutions range between poor and impossible when it comes to accessing hard-to-reach places. So where does this leave us in terms of our selection process, Joshua? Well, in our last episode, we talked about the weight of the load. Let's say we're moving an industrial vehicle through the manufacturing process, and its final form will weigh several tons. That weight class eliminates a few options, like human power and most transfer carts but most material handling systems could still handle that. But today's question is making the analysis a little trickier. That's right. On the surface, they might just want a conveyor or rail-type system to carry the vehicle straight through the assembly process. That would probably increase throughput. But what if there are customization options that require some vehicles to be pulled to the side for additional or variable work? In that case, a material handling system that's more flexible might be needed. Either way, Hopefully going through the process of asking these questions about the needed flexibility and maneuverability will help narrow down the list of possible solutions a little bit more. Even if it doesn't necessarily strike an option off the list all the way, we can start sorting options into better or worse. And we're not done yet. What's the next question we'll be looking at? In our next episode, we'll be asking how far the load needs to travel and how often it needs to be moved. Super! So, where can people find us if they want to continue going through this process with us? They can subscribe to this podcast anywhere they normally listen to podcasts. Or they can visit our home website at www.aerogo.com. That's www.aerogo.com. And until next time, thank you everyone for joining us. See you soon.